You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. College football season is just days away, and the Locked On Network has you covered. We've got the Locked On Pac-12 podcast, Locked On SEC, Locked On Big Ten, Locked On Big 12, and Locked On ACC podcast waiting for you. There is no better place to get all of your conference news than following our Locked On Conference podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Saturday, a special Saturday edition of Locked On Zags. It's Saturday, August 21st. We are now 80 days away from the start of college basketball. And we, my friends, are getting super weird with the number 80 today. Because it is Saturday, I decided to look up how many times in the Mark Few era, Gonzaga has scored exactly 80 points in games played on Saturdays. They play on Saturday almost every week throughout the season, so there's plenty of games to choose from. So I thought there'd be a decent number. It turns out they've scored exactly 80 points in just five Saturday games since Mark Few took over as head coach back in November of 1999. In fact, overall, they haven't even scored 80 points in any game since November 25th, 2015. It's been nearly six years since they scored 80 points in a Saturday game. That happened in a win over Washington in the Battle for Atlantis tournament. The last time they scored 80 points on a Saturday was December 7th, 2013 against New Mexico State. The other four times happened January 19th, 2008 against San Diego. It happened twice during Adam Morrison's junior year in 2006. Once was an 80-69 win over Virginia, and the other was an 80-76 win over Stanford. And then the final and probably most important one, they scored 80 points Saturday, February 28th, 2004. It was the final home game inside the Martin Center before they transferred the next season over to the McCarthy Athletic Center. So there you have it. The most random stat you'll hear probably this entire month. Gonzaga has scored 80 points in five Saturday games in the Mark Few era, including the final home game inside the Martin Center. Come back on Monday to see what random fact I can dig up for the number 78. Okay, today on the show, we are looking back on the 2014 Gonzaga Bulldogs with a senior year, Sam Dower. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Maud Halbins, the Syracuse transfer, who still has all four years of eligibility left on the women's roster. Before we get to that, a couple news and notes that I want to talk about. Number one is the Gonzaga men's soccer team had their first exhibition game on Friday night. They beat the College of Idaho 3 to nothing. They got two goals in the first 15 minutes from Logan Dorsey to win 3 to nothing in that game. They will play another exhibition game on Sunday night against Western Washington at home before opening their regular season Thursday night at home against UNLV. On the women's side, as we mentioned yesterday, they are hitting the road for their first road game of the season. They are playing at Georgia tomorrow morning, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. That game can be seen on the Watch ESPN app or on SEC Network. Uh, and then they travel again after that to Purdue next Thursday. But if you're interested in watching some Gonzaga soccer 
on uh, Sunday morning. They play at Georgia, 10 a.m. on the SEC Network and also on the Watch ESPN app. And speaking of ESPN, Jeff Borzello put out an article this week talking about the winners and losers of college basketball's transfer season. And several Gonzaga opponents are on this list. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. The winner, and he said this is the top winner in all of the transfer window, and it makes sense, is the Texas Longhorns, who Gonzaga faces in their second home game, the, the first real big home game back in the McCarthy Athletic Center, hopefully with fans. Uh, we'll see what kind of restrictions are made here in the coming months. But the Texas Longhorns, the clear victor, he says, from the transfer window. Chris Beard bringing in six of the top 30 transfers in ESPN's transfer rankings, including three of the top five. Marcus Carr came in from Minnesota. Timmy Allen, first-team all-Pac-12 selection from Utah. Trey Mitchell from UMass. Christian Bishop, who Gonzaga faced in the Sweet 16 from Creighton. Dylan Disu from Vanderbilt. And then uh, Devin Askew, who was a five-star recruit um, when he went to Kentucky, and now he is transferring into Texas. Plus, they return Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey on the perimeter. It is going to be a top-five team to start the season, and it's going to be a top-five matchup in the McCarthy Athletic Center to begin the season. One of the other names on this list was Texas Tech because they picked up Kevin O'Banner from Oral Roberts, who was one of the uh, breakout stars of the NCAA tournament. But they also picked up several other um, lesser-known players, mainly from uh, mid-major schools. One is Davion Warren, who is the runner-up for Big South Player of the Year. And then Bryson Williams from UTech and Adonis Arms from Winthrop, who also has one of the best names in college basketball. They also picked up a Florida State transfer as well. So the cupboard, definitely not bare for Texas Tech. They should be a borderline top 25 team entering the season. The LMU Lions and the San Diego Toreros, both on his winner's list. We've talked about the WCC power rankings a couple times during the offseason, but just as a refresher, LMU, their biggest um, addition is Cameron Shelton, who was the leading scorer in the Big Sky last year at Northern Arizona. They also picked up Alex Merkvalatze, who averaged 10 points and 7 rebounds at Cal State Northridge. Quan Marble and Gary Harris are both going to be nice uh, additions on the perimeter. Quan Marble coming in from Wyoming, Gary Harris from Siena. And then San Diego, their entire roster is basically brand new, and they're bringing in some really good talent from Power 5 schools, including Terrell Brown from Pittsburgh, Marcellus Erlington from St. John's, TJ Berger from Georgetown, and then also Jace Townsend from Denver, who averaged 19 points a game, and Bryce Monroe, who's another guard, uh, coming in from Sam Houston State, who was the Southland Freshman of the Year. So a lot of increase in talent on the San Diego and LMU rosters heading into next season. And then in the category called added a missing player for a title chase, he's got the UCLA Bruins, who Gonzaga faces in Las Vegas during uh, Thanksgiving week. What a lot of people know is that UCLA is returning their entire roster from last year. What people may forget is that they're bringing in Miles Johnson, who is a graduate transfer from Rutgers, who was basically a double-double machine all of last season, one of the better defensive players in the Big Ten. Averaged eight and a half rebounds, two and a half blocks. So another added dimension inside for the UCLA Bruins. So there's that article. Nobody that Gonzaga faces this year was in his losers category. Uh, Gonzaga has about as strong of a non-conference schedule, at least in terms of their top heavy games that you can find. And it's going to be really interesting to watch a lot of those matchups. Okay, that's it for the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2014 Gonzaga Bulldogs. It was... I would say probably the most forgettable season of the last decade, but it did provide a couple really great moments at the expense of Kerry Keating and the Santa Clara Broncos.
Before we get there, today's episode is being sponsored by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high fiber, high protein, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. If you're not sure which flavor you want, and boy, do they have a bunch of them right now, including pistachio, uh, feel free to get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at Built.com. All right, the 2014 Gonzaga Bulldogs coming off their best season in program history where they got a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, ranked number one in the country for the first time in school history. But Kelly Olynyk off to the NBA. Elias Harris graduated. Their top two scores. They only had three scores averaging double figures. Kelly Olynyk and his 17.8 points, gone. Elias Harris and his 14.5 points, gone. The only returning score averaging in double figures is Kevin Pangos. He and Gary Bell Jr. are now juniors. Sam Dower is now a senior and is going to step into that role uh, left behind by Elias Harris. Shemek Karnowski is going to fill in that other big man role. And then they've got David Stockton, who's now a senior. They've got Drew Barham playing his second year in the program. Uh, and then they add two transfers. Neither one turn out to be as great as they had hoped. Gerard Coleman, he came in from Providence. He was a double-figure scorer at Providence. And he was supposed to be the next big slasher for Gonzaga. And he did not have as great of a season as many people had hoped. And then there's Angel Nunez, who came in from Louisville. Super athletic kid, uh, but didn't really necessarily pick up the Gonzaga system and ended up transferring out after two seasons. And then the freshman class that they brought in, if you remember our uh, recruiting rankings that we did earlier this summer, this was the worst freshman class Probably in the entire Mark Few era. Their freshman class was Ryan Edwards and Lucas Meikl, and that was it. Uh, a couple walk-ons as well in Connor Griffin and Dustin Triano. But their scholarship players were Ryan Edwards and Lucas Meikle, and then a couple transfers in Gerard Coleman and Angel Nunez. So they didn't exactly get a huge influx in talent to make up for the losses of Leas Harris and Kelly Olenek. But what they did get is a transfer named Kyle Wilcher, who sat out this season because of um, NCAA requirements to sit out. And of course, we'll talk about his first season uh, on Monday when we talk about the 2015 team. But let's talk about this 2014 season. Gonzaga enters the year ranked 15th in the country, which again, I think is more based on reputation than anything else. They win their first four games of the year, including a win over Washington State at home. And then they go to Maui and they lose in the first round of the Maui Invitational to Dayton. If you remember this game, Dayton scored 56 points in the second half. 56 points in the second half to come back and beat Gonzaga 84-79. to Gonzaga shoots just 5 for 19 from the three-point line, but obviously the offense was not the problem. 80 Four points given up to Dayton and Dayton was 21 for 35 at the line and still they were able to score 84 points so Gonzaga goes on to play Chaminade in the second round and then they beat Arkansas in the consolation championship they would go on to win six straight games after that loss to Dayton including a true road win at 
West Virginia, you guessed it, at West Virginia. Have I mentioned before that Mark Few owns Bob Huggins? They beat West Virginia 80-76, to and in true road game, Gonzaga improves to 9-1. and Four Zags finishing double figures in that game. Kevin Pangos with 18, Gary Bell 15, Karnowski 19, Sam Dower with 11. They would go on to lose the next weekend against Kansas State in a neutral site game that was actually in Kansas. So that puts the record at 10-2 heading into WCC play. And WCC play, they lose at Portland uh, towards the the beginning of the conference season. And then they lose at San Diego at the end of the conference season. That is the last time that Gonzaga has lost to anybody not named BYU or St. Mary's in WCC play. Last time they lost to anybody not named BYU or St. Mary's was February 22nd, 2014. By the time they start next year, it'll be almost eight years since the last time. It's been over 100 games since Gonzaga's lost to anybody in the WCC besides BYU and St. Mary's. Gonzaga finishes the WCC 15-3. Those three losses are tied for the most in conference play uh, under Mark Few. The two most memorable games of the season both happened against Santa Clara. The game at Santa Clara at the Levy Center was just an absolute grind. 54-52 was the final score, and it was Sam Dower hitting a desperation three at the buzzer to beat Santa Clara. And it it basically came off a broken play. What they drew up for Kevin Pangos didn't work. Sam Dower ended up with the ball in his hands at the three-point line, and he basically just turned around and chucked up a three, and the thing went in. Beat Santa Clara 54-52. And then in the WCC tournament in the quarterfinals, back when they still had the quarterfinals, game was tied 75-75, and David Stockton uh, comes down the lane and hits a layup with under five seconds to go. Gonzaga comes back and beats Santa Clara. They were trailing for most of that game. Jared Brownridge, 24 points for the Broncos, one of the best players in the WCC for several years in the mid-2010s. But it was Sam Dower again who uh, helped lead Gonzaga to that comeback victory, and then David Stockton obviously hit the game-winning shot. Dower finished with 23 points. He was a remarkable 15 for 15 from the free throw line in that WCC tournament game against Santa Clara. So Gonzaga goes on. They beat St. Mary's. They beat BYU by double figures to win the WCC tournament. I don't think they're really necessarily in jeopardy of missing the NCAA tournament if they didn't win the WCC. Uh, I think they did enough in their non-conference with wins uh, over West Virginia, New Mexico State, Arkansas, um, Washington State. So they had enough. They would have gotten in as probably a 10 seed. But winning the WCC tournament puts them in as a number 8 seed. They go on to face number 9 seed Oklahoma State, who they faced the year before on the road at Oklahoma State. The team with Phil Forte, Marcus Smart, and Markel Brown, LeBron Nash. A team that was getting a lot of hype uh, coming into that NCAA tournament. This game sucked. It was a foul fest. It was a free throw contest. It was a grind. It lasted like two and a half hours. It was an ugly, ugly basketball game. There were 60 fouls in this game. Oklahoma State went 22 for 37 from the free throw line. Gonzaga went 26 for 41 from the free throw line. But Gonzaga was able to pull off just an absolute grinded out victory. Uh, Kevin Pangos had 26 points. Gary Bell added 17. Kyle Dranginis with 12 points off the bench. Kyle Dranginis always seemed to be in the right spot at the right time throughout his career. And I'm sure we'll mention that again uh, on Monday when we talk about the 2015 team. And again Tuesday when we talk about 
the 2016 squad especially. So Gonzaga goes on to face Arizona in the second round, number one seed Arizona, and uh, they were outmatched. That Arizona team was really, really good, and Gonzaga um, got beat up pretty good in that game, 84 to 61. They were down uh, double figures at halftime and really never uh, made a run in that second half. Nick Johnson, TJ McConnell, Caleb Tarzuski, Gabe York, Aaron Gordon, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I mean, this was just a incredibly talented Arizona team who lost again to Wisconsin in the Elite Eight, just like they did uh, the next year in 2015. But they had plenty enough to beat Gonzaga in the second round of the NCAA tournament, ending Gonzaga's season at 29 and seven in a second round exit for the fifth straight season. Five years in a row, Gonzaga bows out in the second round of the NCAA tournament. This team really had an eight-man rotation. It kind of turned into seven-man uh, by the end of the year. Gerard Coleman was kind of on the outskirts by the end of the season. Uh, but it was Pangos, Gary Bell, David Stockton, who started most of their games, along with Dower and Karnowski inside. Drew Barham and Kyle Dranginis were their two main guys coming off the bench. If you go through the last nine seasons of Gonzaga basketball, from 2013 to 2021, the 2014 squad had by far the worst adjusted offensive efficiency. They just did not have a ton of firepower, and especially sandwiched between the 2013 squads and 2015 squads. Um, this team just didn't have the depth and the explosiveness that those two teams had. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this at the start, but I think I mentioned it possibly yesterday, but the 2014 team felt like a transition year. Gonzaga doesn't really have rebuilding years anymore, but they certainly can have transition seasons. Seasons where they're going to be good, but certainly not great, but they know the next season they've got a chance to be special. And that's kind of what this 14 team was. They knew that they had a special freshman class coming in the next year with Sabonis and Perkins and Melson. They knew that Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell would be seniors another year of Shemek Karnowski. And then they knew Kyle Wilcher was coming off of his redshirt season. And I mean, I watched Kyle Wilcher um, just warming up be or before games because I have the opportunity to work games for TV. So I watch a lot of the um, pregame shoot arounds and workouts that these players get in. And I knew just watching Kyle Wilcher that that dude was going to be special. And obviously the coaching staff knew that too. So this 2014 squad um, had an admirable season given that they still won the WCC championship. They got to the NCAA tournament. They won a game in the NCAA tournament again. Uh, but they, I think most fans and possibly even the coaching staff knew that this was more or less a transition season um, to, to build and grow before that 2015 year where they took off and finally got back to the Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. And we will talk about that season on Monday. That is enough for today's look back. Coming up, we are talking about Maude Halbins. She is a six foot five transfer from Syracuse, and she is a total unknown coming into this season. How does she find minutes as a new player? We will discuss that to finish today's show. Today's episode being sponsored by Bet Online. It is that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start their season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, both open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a whopping 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. 
make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. From football, basketball, boxing, right down to horse racing. Do not wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. There is one huge unknown, literally and figuratively, on this Gonzaga women's roster this coming season, and her name is Maude Halbens. She stands at six foot five inches tall, and she is from the Netherlands. And she was ranked as the twelfth best post player coming into the class of 2020, and she attended Syracuse for her freshman season. But she got hurt at Syracuse, and she missed all but one game last season. And then her coach had a whole lot of issues surrounding him and the program, and so she ended up transferring out, and now she's a Gonzaga Bulldog. As part of the Netherlands U18 national team, she averaged 12 points and 6.5 rebounds a game in the European Championship. So clearly, she's got some talent. And now her path to playing time at Gonzaga is simply to show us what she's got. Nobody has really seen her play much, so it's kind of hard to determine where exactly she fits in in this whole roster puzzle. Gonzaga's already got a senior who's 6'5", and Anna Verjogi, who we talked about earlier this week. But it looks like, based on the videos that I've seen, that Halbens is much more fluid offensively than Verjogi is, so perhaps she could steal some of those minutes. But in all likelihood, this feels like a situation where she is going to take a season of development and a season of acclimation, uh, kind of get a year under her belt, learning from Coach Fortier and her staff, and then earn more minutes as a sophomore once uh, Melody Kempton graduates and Anna Verjogi graduates. Based on the very limited film that I have seen on the internet, and there's not a whole lot of it that's available, but it looks like she's got the ability to drive from the top of the key, and she's got nice touch around the rim. And anybody who's six foot five who can drive the ball is a very, very dangerous weapon. When they signed her earlier this offseason, Lisa Fortier said this about her quote, she is extremely versatile as a post player and can score around the basket and from the perimeter. She runs the floor very well and has been a leader for years on her national teams. Maude loves to get in the gym and work, and we can't wait to get her to Gonzaga to help her continue to develop. My guess, we probably won't see a ton of her this season. But if we do, we will finally get to see what that skill set has to offer, and I, for one, am very, very intrigued to see it. All right, that is going to do it for today's special Saturday edition of Locked on Zags. We'll be back on Monday to look back at the 2015 Gonzaga Bulldogs. It's Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell's senior years, and it's the arrival of Kyle Wilcher and DeMontis Sabonis. I can make a pretty good argument that the 2015 Zags were the best offensive team in school history before this 2021 team uh, surpassed them. So we're going to talk about that offense Monday on the show. We'll also continue our path to playing time series with some words on Nolan Hickman. Only three players remain on the men's side in our path to playing time series. And four on the women's side, Dolan Hickman, he's next in line. We'll talk about him on Monday. Before we go today, if you're a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag 
wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO. It's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.